This is Theron, and welcome to another episode of Michigan Indian History. This week, we, we will be talking about the Greenwood Cemetery. Before we start, do not forget to rate and review the show on Apple and rate the podcast on Spotify. This week, we have a special guest, my friend and partner in crime in helping me find these markers last year, Mario. Yo, what's up, everybody? You know, it's great to be back on this show after what a long period of time <laughs> off um I'm, I'm glad to be back with my boy Ferran, and uh, we're ready to make history happen ready to make ready it come to alive too are right ready? Are, you, are you ready for michigan history Ferran? you ready to make michigan history again yes i am yes i am <laughs> yes sir let's get it so the greenwood cemetery has odd beginning. It starts off with a double homicide in, I put Birmingham, Michigan, but it's actually known as Bloomfield Township at the time in 1825. And this was the first of its kind in Bloomfield Township and in the Michigan Territory. In Birmingham, the, the city that we all know at that time in 1825 was a small unincorporated unincorporated community and unincorporated community if you if if you don't know is a community that doesn't have any particular borders and is governed by the county or the township that it sits in so birmingham at the time was in bloomfield township and in oakland county so those were the two that governed the the small the uh, the unincorporated community of Birmingham um so in the UP there are uh, there are a lots of these unincorporated communities and also in the lower peninsula so some examples in the UP and LP or the lower peninsula are <clears throat> communities like Engadine, Cedarville, Waldenburg, Mead um, there is Brevoort, uh, Grow Cap that we did a few episodes back. All of these are uh, unincorporated communities. I can go on and on with these, but yeah, getting to the two murders and how it started. So let's dig into these murders. Oakland County believe it or not, was created just five years earlier in 1820. So it had a small sheriff's department, but Birmingham did not have a police department yet. So here's what happened on April 6th, 1825. On that night, two bodies were found, a mother and her 13-year-old daughter. Their names were Polly and Cynthia, respectively. They were found outside their cabin on what is known as Woodward Ave, north of downtown. They were found with uh, a large axe wounds on their necks and faces. John, the husband, and the oldest son were out on a business trip, believe it or not. And uh, there was a toddler inside the cabin, and she was unharmed. Now, Theron here, thinking about this, man. (laughs) Who murdered these two women? Um... What do you think did it? Because that, that's a big question here. Yeah. So <clears throat> the answer is 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 an easy one. And that is 
a crazy person who lived with a family named em- Emery Fish. Emery Fish had a brother who was a local minister at the time, and the majority of the men in the area were veterans of the War of 1812. So... Back then, they didn't have uh, background checks and stuff like that, how they do now. So you don't know who you who you could be living with. So what? So do you see any problems that foresee this, Mario? If you don't have any well, background checks here. Well, well, um, I mean, we have the biggest problem here. They just came up with this murder here, but we're not, you know. <laughs> but listen, like, she was in this house living with them. Is that what you're saying, correct? Yes. All right. Um, yeah, this this is just bad news from the beginning with no background checks. And I, I don't know if who ever would have thought of not, you know, at least having some background information on this woman is, is quite sad. Um, I would never do it. <laughs> Even I, I, honestly, man, I don't know if I could even trust a great neighbor. and But these people are trusting someone without a background check? This is ridiculous. And also, and, the neighbor the neighbor, was the brother um, who was the local minister. Wow. That is... That is crazy. Is he... <laughs> Wow, sad stuff you see, sad stuff you hear about here is unbelievable. At least, at least she didn't, you know, harm the, the toddler here. Yeah, and great. we're gonna find out why he didn't um, harm the toddler in in the uh, next few um, <clears throat> minutes of the podcast. Um, <clears throat> but there's a reason why Emery Fish went nuts and tried to kill these people. We will try and get to that later in the episode two. Just going back uh, right here, Theron, uh, just finishing off my sentence there. Yeah, Emery Fish, uh, guy just just reached bad news. I, I don't know how I could just, I don't know. I mean, just being from the ministry, I I don't know how anyone could just just trust someone like that. That's all I just wanted to say there. But uh, side note, for those who didn't know, the War of eighteen twelve, um, it was a war between the U.S. and the British Empire. Yeah, it was started because the British formed a blockade, blocking French ports and capturing American merchants when they tried to trade with the French. It ended in eighteen fourteen. So uh, so like two years later. Uh, the British captured and burned down Washington, D.C. and our White House. The fourth president of the United States, James Madison, and his family occupied the White House. In the chaos of D.C. being captured, on August 24, 1814, Lotus, a.k.a. Dolly Madison, ordered that the original portrait of George Washington to be saved. All of my teachers and professors would tell me that Dolly carried the picture out in all my history classes, but instead she ordered that all the official documents. The portrait was rehung in the White House in 1817 when it was rebuilt. Now listen here. Wow. 
out of all that, she wanted to make sure that the original portrait of George Washington was saved. Can you believe that, Theron? Yeah, I can. And, and the fact and the fact that she didn't care about John Adams or Thomas Jefferson says something uh, 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 about about how important um, George Washington was to the Madison family. And it was maybe that um, one of George Washington's um, sons would marry Dolly's sister. So. Mind blown right there, right? Well, well that's it. <laughs> that is pretty crazy, right? Uh, kind of foreshadowing it, though, man. She she wanted to sh- save the picture, and then one of how one of his family members is married to one of hers. Well, that's crazy. The marriage happened uh, before all of this, so they were related before all of this. So you have to think about um, was she doing it to 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 score points? With uh, a former president, former president, oh, sorry, I can't talk, former president who was dead at the time because he died in 1799, or was she just trying to be nice to her um, sister's husband, saved his grandfather's, um, um, or father's uh, picture? Um, I think she's trying to score points. With, with, I don't know about with, being too nice, man. With the was, son? Was, she, was, she, was she really trying to be so nice here? I, I don't know, but I mean, if she wasn't nice, would, wouldn't you think that she would save the other two portraits in the White House too, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, um, in, instead of just grabbing George Washington's and and getting it out? No, I I, I don't know what she was thinking, honestly. <laughs> Um, I, she, I think she should have grabbed them both, but she only wants to grab one. I, I, th- I think you meant all three of them because at yeah, the time there were three pictures hanging. That's what I meant. All three. Yeah. Actually, all three. Yeah. And, and, and she only grabbed one of them. Maybe she found him the most attractive <laughs> out of all three. Unless, unless there's something with those other two pictures that you know the, something might have been wrong and she just didn't like them maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe or, there was a small smidge of air <laughs> or, or, or or maybe or maybe um all that uh like fumes got to her and she's like maybe i'll i will only save the one picture that everyone will care about and that is the general of the uh, U.S. Uh, Army or ragtag soldiers who beat the British Empire or the two other presidents presidents that did absolutely nothing during the I, Revolutionary I, War. Which yeah, one I, should I save? So, I, a beloved hero or... Or two very, very stupid presidents that were at war because political parties happened. Um, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. With you. I, I think the other two were uh, not as solid presidents. I mean, you can't say that they weren't bad, but I mean, we can say they weren't good. They weren't as good as 
Mr. Washington himself. They also weren't as good as the very first president of the United States. I, I'm guessing that no president can live up to George Washington and what he did for the country. Nope. George Washington being the first having to take on that role, he is the greatest to ever do it. And also when they were forming the government and the Continental Congress and then we had the Articles of Confederation and then that didn't work. And after the Articles, they had a secret meeting to form the Constitution. Um, in that constitutional meeting, they wanted to um, they wanted to do a king and queen kind of system, like a monarchy here. Mm-hmm. But George Washington said no, and that's how they came up with the president, the White House the president and Congress and all those other things is because of George Washington saying no to the monarchy because it saw, because he saw what it was doing in England and other places. <laughs> that, that's history for you right there. <laughs> I know, right? Who, 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 who would know all this history and with all this knowledge saved up in my mind, who would know like random facts like that? Like, like oh. I, I, I think, I think my mind works and surprises me in, in some amazing ways here. This is why you're the history man. I am. Those, those, those random facts come to come, they come to play, man. That's why they we do. need you. They do. And also, the Dolly Madison thing also came to mind when I when I was typing up the War of 1812. It was in the back of my mind, and it was, like, churning, and, and I was like, oh, I really want to put this in, but I don't really know how to incorporate it and look at that, and I incorporated it in this, in this um, episode about a double homicide that happened, like, miles away and years apart and you do a great job at it yeah um but the war of 1812 would have something to do with emory with emory fish and why he killed those two women that day okay so enough of the war of 1812 and back to the murders so the reason that Emory was a suspect was his brother, out of all people, ratted him, ratted him out and reported that Emory ran at Elijah with an axe and instead of killing his brother, he killed a horse on the same day of the murders. The Fish family said that Emory would fall into periods of derangement. These periods of derangement started nine years ago in 1816. So this was after the war. So I would want to uh, say that this was a case of PTSD, which if you don't know what PTSD, it is post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm guessing that this was, would not be the first case, but Maybe it is the first case all time. We never know. 
because back then no one understood all the issues that we know now about PTSD and he couldn't go and get help for his problems. So they said that he was a deranged person. Also, a few days before the double homicide, he was found naked in the woods. So do you also think that this could be PTSD from the War of 1812, Mario, or do you think that it could be something else? No, easily, easily it could be PTSD, man. Um, anything triggers these, uh, any, you know, anything can trigger these, uh, these, you know, breakouts from these, these veterans, you know, and not even necessarily veteran, even if you're part of a traumatic time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything could trigger that. And this, I don't know, definitely could be a possibility, but I mean, just the way he sounds, he sounds like a, a crazy, a crazy, crazy mofo. That's all. <laughs> he, I mean, he's definitely deranged, but oof, I don't know. I know. If, if we could, it's, it's a harder one since we don't have all the information here and all we have is one side of the story, which is about the murders of these two women um, that happened because he fell into a period of derangement. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of people fall into a period of derangement. You know, there's less, you know, there's more serious than none, but him, if for him to do that, we had to be more than derangement. <laughs> and and also, we have help nowadays for these things. Yeah, we do. We, have, we do have help. But does it work all the time? No, but it does, you know, get us through some tough times. Yeah. Could be better. It could be better. So I have a unrelated story about this about my neighbor. So my neighbor is an eighty-year-old uh, Vietnam uh, veteran. Okay. Uh, at the time he was like seventy. I believe that this was like a decade ago. So he could be like seventy years old at the time. Still, but he's a Vietnam veteran and. My brother and I, we were playing basketball in our driveway, and the ball kept hitting the house, and he called, he eventually called the police on us, and he would, and he told the police that when the ball would hit the house, it sounded like bombs were going off. So, that is an example of PTSD, and no one taking care of it and he has no support system he has no children he only has he only has his wife but it shows to you that even normal people can have ptsd and no one knows what it is and it can go undiagnosed and stuff like that no no seriously that that is a great example anything hitting the wall hitting the floor could you know trigger them hearing bombs, and that's something I, I would never want to you know experience in my life. That that is just nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, 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 for anybody with PTSD, I don't want it. Nor do I want to you know hear any more people you know attain that. But you know, unfortunately. The world that we live in right now, there's going to be people with PTSD. We need we need our soldiers. So we 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 need soldiers, and we also need a better care system with the um, 
um, veterans department. Also yes, with this do. Ukraine uh, thing about to explode, Ukraine and Russia, and the fact that we're sending um, troops over, I think it's crazy just because we also finished a war in, in um, was it Afghanistan? Yeah, in Afghanistan, yep. Yep, we just finished up that war just August, on my birthday, August 31st of last year pulling out all our, our troops and now we gotta deal with Russia. Russia, yeah. Mr. Putin. So I asked my dad, why are we meddling in other people's businesses? Why can't we just leave them that? alone? And what did your dad have to say? Uh, 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 unless they ask for help. Now, now my dad said this, if we don't go over there there's a chance that Russia may invade the United States. Russia's not getting the United States. So they can easily get into Ukraine. We're, we're, we're talking the United States here. Russia getting in? No way. They could. Imagine the bearing, bearing uh, strait that is between Russia and Alaska and think about how small that strait is. Yeah, but if, you, if they invade Alaska... <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna cause World War Three, man. I'm just saying. Yeah, but they're causing World War Three right here because it looks like NATO allies are going to um push troops there once again, like they did in Afghanistan and Iraq and the Middle East. Maybe maybe Russia will learn a lesson here. Don't invade Ukraine. I'm. I, I, yeah, I, hey, we all know they want their warm waters and everything. Ukraine is a big asset to Russia, man. Big money. But they need to stay out of there. <laughs> I know. I, I think I think we've meddled in too many people's businesses and for way too long. Starting off with the westward expansion that happened in the 1800s to the most recent stuff in Ukraine and the Middle East. I think we have to stop meddling in, in other people's business, businesses. And once that yeah. stops, I think that we'll be fine. Absolutely. Remember, the United States, we're the brain of the world. Yeah, but that's <laughs> about it. to change too, Without my it, man. No one's functioning. That's <laughs> about to change too, and people and people in the United States don't like it. We all hey. know who those people are, but but that's how world order is. And that's how it goes. <laughs> like a long time ago, when we actually part of the story, and when we we are talking about this, the British Empire, they could they they would say the sun never sets on the British Empire, and that's true just because of how large it is. But it eventually set, and now they're just living with the tiny territories that they have. So sometime in the near future or in the long distance future, the United States may fall and it may not, and we may not see it or we may be blind to it or we may just not want to acknowledge it. But if we do, and if we say, all right, the United States is, is not going to be the number one, nation in the world anymore 
and we accept the fate of that reality, I think the transition and stuff like that would be much smoother. I think so too. I like I like you thinking there. Yeah. I well, hopefully I, hopefully they, hopefully we start thinking like that. Yeah. But I, until then, it's not, nothing will change. Yeah, and 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 we're gonna be in a, in a whole lot of trouble in the near future, especially with these elections coming up in twenty twenty two. We would be enough talk about the nonsense that's happening in the world. Back to what we're really supposed to be talking about. With Emory at large, terror swept through the community. There was a small sheriff's department and no ring doorbell. So you could actually see who was at the door. And the cabins were miles apart and in the dark. So if something happened, as it did to Polly and Cynthia, no one would find out until the next day where someone would come uh, by. And if you were living by yourself, which was rare at the time, no one would find you for days unless you had a visitor come by. And, you know, I think that's the case these days, too. I mean, you have older, older, you know, people that, you know, live by themselves and things happen. And the neighbors don't even know and anything happened until days later. Or, this is the sad part. Or like me, I'm living by myself. So if if something happens to me up here, no one well, knows. Know. Who, we who, know if, who, if you don't answer a text within ten minutes, there's something wrong. <laughs> well, 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 that that is that is uh true about me is because I'm a really good uh texter, and I will text you back within like ten minutes, unless I'm uh, unless I'm in the middle of teaching, which you would have to wait. But if yeah. I'm not teaching and if I have the day off and if you don't hear from me in 10 minutes, I would be calling. Um, I would call me. And if you don't get a response from me after like the fifth call, I would call the police department because there's something wrong with me. Well, absolutely. Or, if you or, don't answer your phone. Huh? I said, if you don't answer your phone, we're calling. I, we are calling the sheriff's I, department. We're having someone sent. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I would call. I, I would really hope that my um, that my um location that I share with my parents would give where I'm at. So I would really hope that 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 my parents would check that first, or whoever would call my parents and ask them to check my phone location. At least that. Just in case I'm in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell service, because you know that that is a uh, hella, hella true up here, where up north, that there's no cell service in some of these communities. There, there is no cell service up there. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, well, where I live and where I go, there's always cell service. So if I don't answer the phone, at least call me five times. Five or six times, and if I don't answer the phone, then you can call the police. Or at least call my parents and ask where I'm at. Oh, listen, we're lucky these days they have a phone. Cynthia over here didn't have no phone, so that's you had to go to the door and just hope that they would, you know, answer it. Yeah, that's and it. 
and that too, like like ring doorbell. Like a like a decade ago, we didn't have ring doorbell. We didn't even have Amazon Prime a decade ago. Amazon Prime was just starting to become a thing a decade ago. And <laughs> imagine, imagine it back then, man. Yeah, it, my so here's another story off topic, like completely off topic. But when I was um born, my um mom's water broke inside of inside the apartment that they were living at. Okay. Oh. So with no phone, no nothing, she had to leave a note, leave an actual physical note for my dad. So he would come home and see it and go to the hospital when he came back from work. And my mom had to go to a neighbor who who's a family friend, of course, but he, she went over to the neighbor and asked if she could drive her to the hospital. And, and she drove her, correct? Yeah, yeah, and she drove her to the hospital, but there's no phones at the time, so the only way to communicate with, with one another was um, was paper and pencil. That's the crazy part. Your dad comes home, and he has to see a note. Like, hey, I'm going to the, I'm at the hospital. I'm about to deliver a baby. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? And and also in, in in classes, oh my god, we used to pass notes all the time. Like that was a fun part of class. These days, these kids are not passing anything. There's nothing to cast them about. So I, <laughs> that was the best part. What if you were passing notes? And if it was not your note, and if the teacher caught you, and then my teachers would read the note out loud in front of the whole class. That is sad. That is, yeah. <laughs> I hated that. So, 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 so if it was your note, you would be so embarrassed by, by, um, by your actions that you will think twice about never doing that stuff out. Again, but you better learn from it the first time, man. Because that that would I would be so embarrassed. But these days, these kids are not doing that. These these days, kids are sneaking phones into classes and texting secretly. They think they're slick, but they're not. Do Do you know how (laughs) I know that they're doing that? Because I did that shit when I was in um in school. And I bet you Mario did it too. We all we all did it. It it's a very common thing. You take your phone to class and you text people. And you just I mean now it's just, you know, a thing that we just do. <laughs> Even my fifth and sixth graders have cell phones. As they should. Maybe. And no, 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 there's no point in them having cell phones. I mean, one of the rules, one of the rules that we have in school is that they cannot have cell phones in class at all. And if I catch them, 
the first time, we have to call down to the office and make it known that we found the cell phone. The second time, we call down to the office and someone will, will come and pick it up and the student can get it at the end of the day. Okay? And then the third time, it is a call down to the office. The office takes it and then the parent has to come get the phone. Yikes. So, so far, I've only caught, in, caught one phone out, and I had to, actually two phones out, and I had to call call them down to the office. After that, I've not seen a cell phone, but my fifth graders are telling me that the sixth graders are having cell phones out during my class. So I got to watch out for them. They're a little sly there. Hey, little kids, man, you better watch them. I know. I do got to watch them. Because, come on, come on, get that Hawkeye out, man. You got it. I know, I know. I have to have teacher eyes because, because, <laughs> because when I walk around, because I do that normally. That's what teachers do. We walk around and we make sure that our students are doing our work. So walking around, I don't see any phones out, which, which is telling me that either the sixth graders are telling lies to the fifth graders. Or the fifth graders are making up stories so they can bring cell phones during class. Which, you know, is insane. <laughs> I know, because they're so addicted to these things. It's ruining their lives. It, it is literally ruining their lives. Because whenever I talk to them, like, what, what, what do you do when you go home or... Or what? What? What is uh, something that you do for fun? Their responses are: We played Oculus and I played Xbox all night. Like I stayed up until like four a.m. playing Oculus VR. What? You did what now? You spent Oculus. until four a.m. playing on your Oculus and Xbox. That. You're tired, and you came to school tired because all you got was, like, an hour of sleep. Or you got no sleep, and you spent an all-nighter. That's sad. And now you're not even going to try in my class. Or in any of your classes, in the matter of fact. I have two students getting straight-up ease in my classes. And they don't care. Well, they better start well, what happened to caring about grades and, and how you're doing in, in school? What the hell happened to that? Like, I, I, like, I want to know, like, like, why these students are not motivated to do anything. And sorry that, and sorry that this podcast has become about teaching and, and my teaching experiences. But, but it is really sad to see when students are not motivated to do work. And all they want to do is be on their computers and be on their phones and play Xbox, play Oculus, and have attention spans that are like 15, like not even 15 minutes, like like 10 minutes. That's all that they can, like, like um, <clears throat> focus for is for 10 minutes because of like apps like TikTok and Instagram. Like, 
what has happened is to society and what's going to happen to the future if these kids cannot sit down and concentrate and do their work it, we won't be able to function anymore i know it, it, it's like we it's it's like how i was saying before that the downfall of the united states is is going to happen sooner rather than later because of this generation that cannot get off their stupid phones and laptops and screens and cannot have a normal conversation a normal conversation in my class is two kids screaming at each other sorry but that is not a conversation that is you yelling and disrupting my class unbelievable the wonders of modern technology that is, that is true. So, I mean, we all, we, us, <laughs> teachers can relate to that. And, and we see it. <laughs> I see it too. But it gets more frustrating when they don't care about their grades and they're straight up failing. And I tell them every day that you're going to get held back if you don't try. And they're like, I don't care. Like, I honestly don't care if I get held back. That doesn't scare them. I know. It doesn't. Like, like you and me, if if a teacher told us that we, we would get held back, we would be scared. Like, like, it's socially not acceptable to be held back. And it still isn't. I, I don't think that these kids genuinely care about anything these days, except for playing video games and maybe being TikTok famous, which is not even a thing. Or YouTube famous, which is not even a thing. But that, they want they want to think that they can be YouTube famous. You can make it, you can let them dream, but <laughs> they got to work hard towards that. Okay, so last story, and then we're going to get back to the podcast. So, so, so this student I have is not doing any of his work, okay? Um, so we call the office and they say, I don't think I'm allowed to share this story. Never mind. I'm not going to share this story because I don't think I'm, I'm allowed to, but yeah, um, so we're going to get back to the podcast um, after a brief message from our sponsor, Anchor. So welcome back from the ad break. Um, so we're going to get back to the podcast. The women in the community came together to give Polly and Cynthia proper burials. At that time, because Emory was still at large, and young w- women were scared, scared to, um, scared for their lives. A father of a young woman in the community stood guard with a rifle. Thank you, the Second Amendment, at for that time. He stood there with his rifle while that young woman's mother and other ladies in the community made two burial shrouds. Uh, Mario, what is a burial shroud? Well, a burial shroud is something that you definitely 
would not want on you uh, right now. But, and here's why. It's because it's a, a cloth wrapped around a dead person's body before burial. And the shrouds protect a deceased person from prying eyes so creepers, and yes, they existed in the 1800s, and it also helps animals uh, from eating the tissue from the dead person. So there's something that, this is something that you definitely don't want to, you know, have on you <laughs> at this moment in time. Because it, it means nothing but bad news. <laughs> I know. And, and and if you have one of these, it means that you're dead, sadly. Absolutely. So welcome back from the ad break. Um. So we're going to get back to the podcast. The women in the community came together to give Polly and Cynthia proper burials. At that time, because Emory was still at large and young women were scared, scared too um, scared for their lives, a father of a young woman in the community stood guard with a rifle. Thank you, the Second Amendment, at for that time, he stood there with his rifle while that young woman's mother and other ladies in the community made two burial shrouds. Uh, Mario, what is a burial shroud? Well, a burial shroud is something that you definitely would not want on you uh, right now. But, and here's why. It's because it's a a cloth wrapped around a dead person's body before burial and the shrouds protect a deceased person from prying eyes so creepers and yes they existed in the 1800s and it also helps animals uh from eating the tissue from the dead person so there's something that this is something that you definitely don't want to you know have on you <laughs> at this moment in time because it, it means nothing but bad news i know and, and if you have one of these, it means that you're dead, sadly. Absolutely. Sadly, John, the husband, died two years in 1827. He died because of the sorrow he had, and he couldn't live on for his two other children. So, <clears throat> because there was no uh, CPS or Child Protective Services, and no orphanages in the area. The, comu- the community uh, <coughs> came and helped raise the two surviving children. The two children that survived w- w- uh, were Joseph, who was the oldest son who was on that business trip with the father at the time, and he was two years older, o- older than Cynthia. And then we have uh, Mary Ann, who was an entire decade younger than Cynthia and was a, and was the toddler in the house at the time. So Mary Ann was four at the time of her mother and sister's murders. And the only reason Mary Ann survived was because of Cynthia's quick thinking and hiding her under a pile of laundry. So... These two, Marianne and Joseph, would go on and live full lives, get married, and have children of their own. So, so in terms of um, descendants, they have descendants. Um, they live in um, 
the area of Michigan. <coughs> I couldn't find specifically where um the they would live. I think they still live in Metro De- Detroit area, but yeah. Um but what do you think about the quick thinking of Cynthia about hiding her uh sister under a pile of laundry to save her from the um deranged person that was going to kill them? Mario. Well that is that is just a quick thinking move that usually only women, you know, tend to think about, right? I mean she 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 <laughs> She was she was quick on it. I don't know. If, I mean, if it was my kid, to be honest, I'd probably do the same thing. Though, let's be honest, we both would. But Cynthia was the, the daughter, not the mother. So his. So yeah, his but in that, yeah, I'm saying if I was if I was the parent, but she wasn't in this case. But for somehow, some way, her quick thinking came in brilliance, and I, I mean. I mean, I don't know. She's just, <laughs> that was, that was just a great move. I would have done it though. I would have done that. <laughs> I know. I, I, I would like to believe Anytime that. Anytime I, I see a toddler, man, you know, you gotta, you gotta do the, anything. But, but that. first of all, a toddler, think about a toddler and think about how much noise a toddler would make. Think about how much instructions you have to give to a toddler in order for them to be quiet and hide in a laundry basket for, <clears throat> How many hours do you think that she was in there for? Because, you know, as we were saying before, the cabins are miles apart, and we don't know who found them. We're, we can assume who found them. We could assume that it was a husband and the older, the older son that found the two bodies, but we don't really know who did. Or it could, be, it could have been Elijah Fish. Emery's brother who found the bodies because they were next door neighbors. But we don't know who did. So how many hours uh, this toddler was hiding under the um, um, laundry and either she <clears throat> came out of the laundry basket or the pile of laundry or she just stayed there quietly. Think about how amazing that is, that is for a toddler to do. I mean, if it was, it had to have been long hours, man. And somehow, you know, she was given the ability to, you know, to go through all that. And I respect that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how, I would love to know how many hours she actually was in there for. Because if it was, if it was like longer than, let's say like five or six, now we're talking like, wow. But it had to be a long time. Yeah, because as we said before, no one knows what happens on the property unless you stop by with with like a basket or something like that. Or or mm-hmm. if a neighbor just comes in uh, unannounced, which at that time it was uh, normal for that to happen. Yeah, she was so quiet, man. I don't know how she did it. <clears throat> Do you know what? She was probably given a lot of sugar. At that time, and perhaps an insane amount of sugar. But 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 imagine all the hype sugar that she would have she would have been on. I I don't know how they kept this toddler quiet 
but that is uh, a miracle that that Emery never um found the toddler and was probably going to go in for more if 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 the toddler wasn't quiet. Thank God he didn't find her, man. I know. Or else I don't think that the father would have survived those two years. I think he would have, he, he, he would have died like right away. How easily he would have. Because there's, there's no, no way that you can survive losing a wife and two children, especially daughters. Um, it, it's my point. I would never want to go through that. I know. That is, that is a sad, sad thing. I know. We're going to get to the apprehension and what a judge ruled the first in the county of next. The murderer, Henry Fish, was apprehended the next day on April 8, 1825. He would say that it was his duty to kill these two women, if you asked him today. Um, a judge ruled that he was not guilty by reason of insanity. A lot of people aren't going to be happy with that. I won't believe it. But this was the first in the con- uh, in the county and in the territory. This was also the first violent offense in the Michigan Territory, which was formed in 1805, so 20 years ago. Since they sadly did not have a facility to hold the crazy people, they put him in the county jail in Pontiac, where he would also die. So, Theron, how do these murders connect to the Greenwood Cemetery? All right, so this is how. In 1821, Dr. Zeba Swan bought land from the federal, federal government. So when these two homicides happened, he donated 1.5 acre of that land so the two women could be buried. 21 years later, in 1842, 21 citizens, including Dr. Ebenezer Raynell, who was a former state legislator, bought the cemetery that had the two bodies and whoever else had died within the 21 years. And he also uh, purchased an an additional 1.5 acres of land. In 1885, 13 years after the expansion and 34 years after the original 1.5 acres was donated, a woman, a woman named Martha Baldwin organized a small local women's group and incorporated the Greenwood Cemetery Association. Um, between 1846 and 1904, the cemetery grew three times to the eight acres that it is today. In 1946, the city of Birmingham took over the operation of the cemetery. Since it was created in, in 1825, all of the people who lived in the original the in the original community was were buried there and with early pioneers and the prominent citizens that lived in Birmingham and Bloomfield Township over the years. So Mario, coming to the end of this episode, how do you think that um people would you you already said that people would not react when he got the not guilty by reason of in, insanity. Um, yes. What do you think if it happens a lot nowadays, more than you think, but 
in that time, it was one of the first in the county. So what do you think that the people in the territory, when this news uh, spread, all, spread all over the Michigan territory, what do you think people were thinking? They probably thought the judge was crazy. That's what they thought. Um, there's, I don't think there was a single person, unless they were a nut job, that was actually happy about that decision. Because anyone getting bailed out for just a reason of insanity, this is quite, is is a difficult pill to swallow, in my opinion. But he was sent to jail anyways. I know, but so I, I I mean it, it's a win win. Or 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 if you'd like to put it, it was a win lose. It was win for the people of the county of of Oakland County, but it was a lose for Emory to for Emory Fish, who could in these days could have gotten help for what he did, and may um and may. Could have avoided all of this catastrophe that happened, but without him, we wouldn't have the Greenwood Cemetery, and we would not be looking for it for the for I think we were looking for it for about like twenty minutes before we found the marker. Isn't that right, Mario? Yes, it was. It was. It was quite a long time. <laughs> this marker was hidden. We it's on the property. Like, like it, it, it was not like, like uh, the private property one. It was on public property, but it was kind of hard to find. But it's very difficult, and unless you, uh, you would definitely not find this at night. <laughs> that is why I do all my historical marking hunting during the day, and as soon as it turns night, I will head home. But <clears throat> yeah, so. The next two uh, episodes, I need to make a correction from last um, from last week's um, episode and tell you that the next two weeks of episodes will still be on um, historical markers in, in Metro Detroit. And then we're going to move on to the, uh, to the history in the city of Birmingham. And then we're going to move on to a different uh, city in the state. And I will explain to you why um, before that episode. So, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the podcast on Greenwood Cemetery. I would like to thank my um, partner in crime and and guest on this show, Mario. You can listen to this wherever podcasts are found. Follow me on Twitter. I don't post that much on there, but I do post on my new Instagram at MI Hidden History. Do not forget to rate and review the show on Apple and rate the show on Spotify so more people can find it. And this week's quote is Never wait, life goes faster than you think. Wherever you go, no matter what the weather, always bring your own sunshine. Alright, so see you next week, and let's make Michigan history great. And thank you for Mario for coming on to the show today.
Ron. It was a, it was a, it was a great time. You know, always as always, thank you for allowing me on the show. Cause you know, this show, this show is gonna be great. I'm telling you, it's already, it's already great. But I love it every time I come on. It's a blast. Thank you. And every time you're on, I also have a blast. So it's always a good time. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, see you next week. <laughs>